Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumpacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Analysts at the World Cup. We're at a rather damp, in fact extremely damp, Bristol, looking out at the, the rain falling for Pakistan against Sri Lanka. Don't think we're going to get any play today. It's your hometown, Simon. <laughs> well, it's it, pouring with rain. Well, it's allowed to rain here sometimes. Rain is good. Rain is life. Without the rain, the crops wouldn't grow and we wouldn't have any food. What a damp squib uh, after the exciting week. We've had ten games and uh, some interesting results. New Zealand and Australia top the World Cup table, and uh, well, South Africa are almost bringing up the rear. Later, we'll look back at some of those games and look forward as well with Brendan McCullum, of course, who got his New Zealand team to the final four years ago. You can probably hear in the background the, the Pakistan fans who uh, are never silent, even if there's no cricket. In fact, they're probably noisier <laughs> if there's no cricket. They're, they're sort of trying to do a, a, an anti-rain song, I suppose. But it's not working at the moment. But we have had a great week of cricket. I think it's been a really fascinating first week to the World Cup. It's been helped by the fact, I think, that Bangladesh beat South Africa, by the fact that England lost to Pakistan because it feels as if it's opened up the tournament. Still very early days. It may well be that teams really emerge, four teams emerge, and then go on and dominate the competition. And we do get some meaningless games towards the end. I hope not. It'd be great if every match was, was live. But it's been... Yeah, full of interest, full of incident as well, controversy, England losing, India joining the party and winning, South Africa played three, lost three, Bangladesh doing well. I mean, it's, it's been a, a really, really good week, I think. And vibrant uh, off the field as well, reflected by the sounds here in Bristol, 
lots of uh, horn blowing and cheering and stuff like that, and there's no cricket going on. In fact, there's just a, a massive puddle uh, leaking off the covers. Uh, but just that it, it does reflect the uh, cosmopolitan nature of Britain, doesn't it? The fact that you, I mean, I, I love to see uh, uh, the West Indian fan dressed in a sort of headdress and national dress, and and obviously the Pakistanis and the Bangladeshis and the, the Tigers everywhere you, you go. Going to be uh, th th those soft toy shops have been doing a good business instead of seeing people coming as brides and vicars and uh, you know men dressed as women. We're seeing people in in sort of almost national dress costumes, which I think is really nice. Well, that, that is part of the, a World Cup in, in the UK. It's also why, actually, if you, if you think about it in a way, that although England are at home, that in a way Pakistan and India yeah. are at home mm. as well, and Bangladesh are at home. So it's not like a World Cup when you go to India when there is that partisan support for just one side. Here, it's almost as if there are three or four home nations. And I think that, that obviously, I think Pakistan drew on that support in their match against England at Trent Bridge, India clearly drawn it as well, and Bangladesh, and you know, to some extent, we've seen lots of Afghanistan supporters and Sri Lanka supporters as well. Um, so yeah, it, 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 what it does do is it gives great atmosphere to the games. Yeah, a bit like football World Cup, isn't it? Where you've got the, I mean, I'm not saying necessarily England India games are going to be 50 50. There's probably been more India support, but you know, World Cup football matches, you have that support for for both sides, and it creates a great atmosphere inside the ground. Trends uh, that have been uh, spotted over the first week, I suppose one that, that I've noticed and is fairly obvious really is the proliferation of, of wickets to short pitch bowling. Mm. A lot of fast bowling from several sides and obviously notably the West Indies but England as well and uh, even Pakistan actually with some aggressive fast bowling uh, at England. 41% uh, of the wickets that have fallen in this World Cup so far have fallen to far short pitch balls. It's quite interesting because it's a lot more than at this stage of the World Cup in Australia four years ago. And you'd think of Australia as having quick wickets. Mm. Actually the English wickets and the way that the bowlers have bowled have been outdone Australia and they've really tried to go short there have been some, some good carry on these pitches I mean I was beginning to think yesterday watching the Australia game against the West Indies at Trent Bridge this is one of the quickest pitches in the world it was flying through the ball was taking off I think an early ball from Stark to Gale went over the keeper's head and straight to the boundary uh, so it's quite it's added a bit of intrigue and actually a bit of encouragement to the bowlers. Is this bowlers striking back because they, yeah. they probably looked at this tournament and thought, well, what, what are we going to do to to counter the, the big striking batsmen? Well, one thing we can do is go short. And actually, they've also left the groundsmen have left a bit of green in the pitches as well. Well, gra is, yes, grass. I wouldn't. In a way, you say green. It's, they're not damp. You know, not sort of traditional sense of damp pitches, but yes, certainly some grass to make grass the ball bounce. Grass is grass green, is green but <laughs> somehow when you say green, it sounds as right. if I didn't it means mean that. Juice. I, I mean, I mean, it, it does. It holds yes. the surface together. Yeah, you get yeah. a good pace and carry with with, with, with grass. grass. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, I, there, I suppose the other thing, the, the reason why those tactics have been quite successful, I think, is because there is a, especially in one day cricket now. 
the batsmen are at the bowlers. They're down the pitch, even the quick bowlers. And, and when the ball is short, they're pulling off the front foot, knowing with the bats they've got, the short boundaries as well around the world, top edges tend to carry for six. So even if they don't get the full bat on it, it's going to get them runs. Well, actually, on one or two of these longer square boundaries in England, that doesn't work. And actually, bowling a really quick, high bouncer, and the batsmen sort of... There's, there's less batsmen that are prepared to go back and play the pull shot. They're all playing the pull shot off the front foot because that is the, the modern way of batting, is to go at the ball. So it becomes harder... Uh, it increases the pace of a short pitch ball uh, if they're sort of at it and, and in therefore potentially increases the effectiveness of a short pitch ball and there's been some fast balls uh, I mean I just looked down the list of bowlers, uh, fastest bowlers on the tournament Mark Wood's up there, obviously uh, Mitchell Stark, Jofra Archer Rabada, you know there's four or five guys that have really gone for it Andre Russell, Andre O'Shane Russell. Thomas yeah. O'Shane Thomas is in the is about 11th in terms of average speed uh, certainly Andre Russell, I mean, whether how long he's going to last bowling like yeah. that. I mean, his knees look completely shot to yeah. bits. That's a real worry, isn't it, for the West Indies? It'd be such a shame for the tournament as well. Of course, the other aspect of the short pitch fast bowling is it, it really tests the umpires uh, even more because the, the square leg umpires, you know, OK, you're not exactly dozing off at square leg, but you're, you're in a way required to do less because the run-outs now all go upstairs um, but you know you're right on it the whole time, looking for those wides, and and perhaps that is an area that previously umpires have not been tested as much. But in this World Cup, they really have been tested by that judgment call about what's a wide, what's one for the over, what's you know just below shoulder height. It's not easy, especially when you get batsmen of you know different heights going to to the, the batting end. You know, say in the, in the same innings. Mm. So it, so it's not been easy. For the umpires, and I mean, there was one no ball missed in, yeah. in yesterday's match. Well, and there were lots of lots of decisions overturned as well. Yes, and, and, and they went against the, I, the West I, Indies. I must admit, I I think that uh, you know I've I've always been a, a proponent of technology for helping umpires out, and I just feel you look at an umpire right, he's standing two yards behind the stumps at the bowler's end. How can he possibly tell with any accuracy? Whether the bowler's foot is close to the line, over the line, well, behind well, the line. Some have been called as no balls that haven't been That's no balls trouble. as well. Yeah. Because of the distance they are away from the stumps, they just haven't got a good profile for whether it's a no ball or not. So let's have everything done by technology. It's easy for the third umpire to have a feed of the run out cameras, which are the ones that side on, which he can, with a little little box, a little uh, a box called an EVS machine, which I use a lot of, or at least a, an operator I work with uses a lot of, you just wind back the little wheel and you can see exactly where so, the foot lands after three seconds. So three seconds? Yeah, well, less, two seconds. Right. I mean, literally, as soon as the bowl has landed, you can wind the tape back. It's a digital system. And you, you can look at where he lands. So it, within, I would say, like, so let's, let's do a little imitation. So the bowl is running into bowl. Bowls like that. No ball, I could say, to the umpire in the that, middle. That on quickly. the third umpire. Absolutely. Right. So and do you get do the cameras get a clear view of, totally. of, of the front for every single yes, time? Yes, because there's one each side. Right. 
for the run outs so you get a completely clear view nothing and of lost. course after after a batsman's dismissed they're always checked anyway to see when the batsman's out and he's recalled if, if so, so that's one thing that you know the, the poor umpire has to try and deal with and I think another so thing why has that not been done so well, far I, though, I, if you I, could... I don't know and I, I mean it, they're, they're working on it I think it will happen and uh, at the moment the Hawkeye guys who are monitoring all the angles they monitor the, the LBWs they monitor the run out cameras they're checking to see how many no balls are potentially missed per game and it's probably between five and ten per game really that are, yeah that are just over so anyway that's one area that's very difficult for the umpires to manage but the other thing is as well is is edges you know the umpires standing at the bowler's end their ears are pointing away from the pitch you know what it's like when you don't hear someone properly you put your ear towards them yeah. don't you so actually especially as you get older pardon uh, especially <laughs> So the thing is, it really, for an umpire to be effective for his hearing, he needs to point his ear towards the batsman. Well, obviously, you're not going to be able to do that because then he can't see what's happening. So, again, it's, it's so difficult for umpires to, to, to use their own ears to be able to pick up stuff. And just in relation to that, forgivably yesterday, Chris Gaffney gave Chris mm. Gale out, caught behind... And we found out Gaelic reviewed it instantly, mm. which was which was brilliant by the by the batsman actually. And he was pretty right to review it because it clipped the stump. Yeah. And I just thought, out of interest, that where I'm working in the analyst position at this uh, World Cup, I'm actually in the room where all these zing bales and zing stumps are being charged in a big battery pack. There's a whole a whole sort of suitcase full of them. So I thought I'd bring two in yeah. here today. One is, the, this is a Zing Bale stump, a blue stump with a stump camera in it. And this other one here is without the Zing Bales and without the stump camera, a wooden stump. But it's more traditional, though it's still got some technology in it. And what's your verdict on the weight of these two stumps? Well, the the one with the that you use the Zing Bales on is the blue mu- stump. It, the yeah. blue stump is much heavier. The, the one they're using for this World Cup is much heavier than a, than a sort of traditional, Tradi- more traditional, traditional wooden stump. stump. So yeah. the, the, the feeling would be then, if you if you hit it, yeah. it it's, it's just more stable, so the bales don't come off. Exactly. So, so it's not about the it's not about the weight of the bales. Is it, is it about the weight of the it's, stump? It's about it? the rigidity of the stumps. I mean, they're like sort of three pillars in the ground. These, this stump is so rigid, there's no flex in it, whereas a wooden stump, there'd be some flex and wobble in it, you know. There's no flex in it. It's absolutely rigid. It's, it's made of some kind of, uh, of compound, plastic compound substance, but it's really heavy. And we had several instances, didn't we, in the IPL, where balls hit stumps mm. quite hard and they, they flashed, but the bales didn't fall off. You've got I a zing bale there as well. I, I mean, I haven't. I don't have a traditional bale in my hand. I would say this zing bale e just feels a bit weightier as well, yeah. actually. Than like a, the than heavy a, bales you use when it's windy. Yeah, than a traditional bale. So, so it's probably it's probably actually both, isn't it? The, the weight of the stump and the weight of the bales that's, that's, that's causing a problem. And, and a problem it is as well, because yeah. uh, we, we've seen it happen up to half a dozen times now where the stumps have been struck and the... Well, sometimes the bales light up, don't fall off. So as happened yesterday, stump didn't even move. Yeah. And, yeah. and so the bale didn't light up at all in the Chris Gale instance. I mean, I think you probably get, you know, traditional stumps will almost, if the ball glances them, there'll be a sort of mm. bit of vibration, yeah. won't there, which causes the bales to fall off. And often bale grooves are not very good either in wooden stumps. Whereas these are obviously made of plastic. They're much more 
rigid. I mean, you probably, you and I probably played in village or t- you know, club cricket where the bales barely sit on the stumps and the stumps are all crooked and you know, only t- requires a sort of tiny breath of wind and the yeah. bale will fall off. Whereas these ones, you can hit them almost full on sometimes and the, and the bales don't come off. So another disadvantage for the bowlers, the poor old beleaguered bowlers, but they're striking back with these bouncers. So at least they've got something to be uh, crowing about after the first week of the World Cup. Hi, this is Vaseem Akram and you are listening to the Analyst Podcast at the Cricket World Cup. Now, England have got a big match on, on Saturday. It's, it feels unthinkable, really, for their World Cup campaign that they could, could lose again. I mean, imagine you know, sitting here... In 36 hours' time, England lost to Bangladesh, as they did in the last World Cup, and Bangladesh clearly are a decent enough side, and they could, they, they could take England down. Can they take them down in Cardiff if they did? I mean, that really would uh, be huge for the tournament, I think, and, and disrupt hugely England's, England's plans for this World Cup. What, what are your feelings about the game? Well, I think that England have seen enough of Bangladesh now. Uh, obviously, they've seen them in the past, but in these two games, to have good plans for them, uh, I think they know what they're about. I think England are better at the death than either South Africa or New Zealand. And I don't think they'll be uh, as uh, sort of circumspect against the Bangladesh spinners as the other teams have been. You know, they've allowed people like Shakib Al-Hassan to bowl, Mehdi Hussain a little bit as well. I think it'll be much more proactive against the Bangladeshis. They're a good side, you know, Bangladesh. They're a good side. They're back quite deep. They've got some aggressive players down the order, but I, I think England have got too much quality for them. Provided they bring out their A game, they should be fine. Yeah, what about the, the toss and, and, and batting first as well? I mean, there, there would be a temptation tomorrow morning in Cardiff for England to, to put Bangladesh in, well, there's been some rain around. Yeah. You know, rain all it's day. Rain in, forecast in, yeah. there tomorrow. Well, the it? forecast is the forecast is not, <laughs> not too, too bad, bad right. for enough cricket. I think. I mm. think there's a, there's a possibility of, of some showers, but n- not too bad for you know, enough cricket. So, so what do they do? It seems to me I've seen Bangladesh play uh, a couple of times already. One warm up game, and I watched the the South Africa Bangladesh game. I didn't see the game against New Zealand, but it's, it seems to me that probably. Batting first against them mm. is the way to go. If you let them bat yeah, first, think, they can they yeah. can get a score on the board mm. and then then build that pressure. And, and there's no doubt that in a World Cup, chasing scores is much harder than it is in just a, a normal one-day series. There, there is that pressure of knowing that you can't play that team again. You know, it's a one-off game, even though it's not the end of the league stage. But you you know, each game is very important. I think England will have learned also from what New Zealand did to the Bangladesh batting, which is they bowled fast and short. Now, South Africa tried that, but it was a bit half-hearted, and they really only had Rabada, who wasn't quite on it. But I thought the way that Lockie Ferguson bowled for New Zealand against the Bangladeshis slightly sort of unsettled them, and he bowled four overs for seven uh, after the power play and got a key wicket and just sort of undermined their batting a bit. Shakib is, is a hell of a player, though, and they've got to somehow find a way of keeping him quiet. He scores an incredible number of runs behind the square on the offside. They need about three fielders there to stop that and, and, and try and pitch it up to them, because apart from... The uh, the openers, I think the, the lower order or the mid sorry the middle order look a bit more vulnerable to, to pitched up deliveries. Mm. So 
the other thing about Cardiff, very long square boundaries, yeah. so you probably see will see quite a lot of short bowling, and it won't be that easy to take it on if it's well directed. Yeah, talk about Tam in one of the Bangladesh shows because you've written him off as well. He's he's passed it. You, yeah. You, yeah. you said in our previous podcast. That's a guaranteed. Well, he didn't score that's that a guaranteed many. hundred. He didn't look that good against New Zealand. Yeah. I mean, he was okay, mm. but I, I I just don't think he's going to dominate bowling mm. attacks like he has in the past. He might scratch around and get a, the odd fifty, but I can't see him being a real force. England just have to play better than they did against Pakistan, basically, yeah. don't they? I, I mean, Pakistan, they batted second. I just wonder if the trend is going to be to bat first. I think, you know, scoreboard pressure and all that. And in that regard... We think it'll change, do you think? It's well, I, I think it might. I mean, obviously, if you've got sort of dodgy weather around, then there is an inclination to bowl first because, you know, there's going to be some movement around if the, the pitch has been under covers. But I think if we get better weather again, mm. then I think it, batting first is going to be the way to go. And in that regard, talking to Brendan McCullum the other day, after that New Zealand win against Bangladesh, you know, we talked about all the kind of different strategies that are going on, and we talked particularly about the difference in pressure when you're chasing runs or in playing in one of these World Cup games compared to playing those teams in bilateral series. Now, the bilateral series, we saw massive scores all around the world. The teams just go out there, play with sort of reckless abandon, knowing that there's always the next game that you could make it up. Whereas in this, there is no tomorrow for some of these games, and every game is so important. And when we look at South Africa now, they've played three and they've lost three. And, and you know, for them, it's so difficult. And, and a game like this, for both those these teams, it means so much to them if they were able to get across the line in this game. seems to me, actually, also, that uh, captains are quite keen at the moment to put sides in thinking that there's going to be uh, uh, some movement in the pitch early on and that they can chase the score down later because the pitch will flatten out but actually with the way that English pitches are now which is dry at the start and actually getting drier as the match wears on maybe batting first is the way to go yeah I think so over here especially because to me England's been so successful um, by playing two spinners I think Rashid's been incredibly successful in these conditions and to me that would be what I'd be looking to try and implement is, um, is get the runs on the board, bring your spinners into play later on and allow them to attack and I think what we've seen even tonight in this game Bangladesh spinners have bowled 28 overs between them they've taken, they've taken 6 for 127 it's just remarkable stats in this game and um, you know, to me, I think that's going to be a trend that, that continues. And so maybe uh, a call up for Ish Sodi for for New Zealand. Then. He would have been in my starting team, to be honest. I think Sodi's one of those sorts of bowlers who he can travel occasionally, um, being the leg spinner, and uh, and obviously trying many variations. But you can mitigate that risk as well by by allowing someone like a Colin de Granholm to be able to operate from the other end and tie up a few few overs. Uh, I'm also I'm not a massive fan of stocking your team with all rounders because to me I think. All rounders are better um, when when there's only one of them in the side and they've and they've been pushed from the outside. I think um, specialists and especially in pressure games, pressure moments, um, you know that's their that's their meat and drink. That's how they they pay the bills. They go out there and they do their core skill. In a World Cup, how much effect does the crowd have? Because you get these uh, grounds, whether you're in Melbourne, whether you're in England, obviously whether you, when you're in the subcontinent, when teams like Bangladesh. Sri Lanka, obviously India, Pakistan, get incredibly fervent support. Does that play a part when you're out there? Definitely, and that's the thing about playing here in England. There's such support for um, the Asian countries in particular. 
tonight's a classic example. The Bangladesh fans are up and about the minute they were back into the game. And you know, I've toured Bangladesh on a number of occasions. And, and when they get in front, the fans are just incredibly supportive and loud. And it's like another member of, the, of their side. And, and uh, we, we were whitewashed twice on the back of that just because we were never able to to reverse the trend that they were able to start dominating us and, and their, their crowd definitely made a, a huge impact on that. How can two players with the amount of experience and skill of Kane Williamson and Ross Taylor have so many cock-ups in between <laughs> the wickets? Oh, it's something that when I was sitting in the dressing room with my, my uh, fellow teammates, we could never quite work out that two out-and-out genius players could be such poor runners between the wickets together. And I... I really don't know. None of us could could identify why that was, but you know what we'd always pass on to them is for the sake of one run, it's not worth it. <laughs> so no's never a bad answer when those two are batting at the crease. Um, you know they're such valuable members of the side, but and they it doesn't look they like there's an awful lot of trust actually in between between them on on calls. I mean it's like yeah. oh I want to check and see if that's an okay run. Yeah, it's bizarre, and I guess some guys run better with other guys, mm. but for those two, they certainly they don't run well together. I think. John Wright once alluded to the fact when Kane Williamson started playing international cricket, they looked like he had heavy pads. And 10 years on, I don't think his pads look any lighter these days. Sometimes when he's running between the wickets, especially with Ross Taylor. But no, no those, are the, those are the quirks, I guess, of this game that, that we play. Is, there's some combinations work better and, and some, whilst they, they churn out the runs... There is just that little bit of uh, a little bit of area where they're not so not so confident. That's running between the wickets. Owen Morgan's credited New Zealand with sort of almost rejuvenating England's approach when you were first here, 2015. How much influence have you had on Owen Morgan yourself? I mean, you're big mates, aren't you? Yeah, we're great mates. Um, obviously, you know that back in 2015 when when Morgs took over the England side, uh, he took over. Well, he inherited a team really, um, and and I think the way that we played and New Zealand really resonated with him that that's how he wanted England to play and I guess that sort of attacking freewheeling type of cricket needs um, buy-in from your entire squad and, and what that needs is leadership to be able to give guys comfort, um, loyalty at the selection table and um, and just out and out um, support of, of the brand of cricket you're trying to play and I think that's what Morg's been able to do and he's been given a, a, a really good reign I think initially from Andrew Strauss when, when he was in charge and allowed him he backed Owen Morgan to, to get the job done and, and I think you know along the way he's been able to have a lot of success and to me they, the way they play the cricket it puts bums on seats, it's entertaining if we had anything to do with it um, then that's fantastic because you know that's, that's certainly how I like to see the game played um, well, you talked about when you came over that summer, you talked about trying to transfer the, the idea that when you opened the curtains in the morning and the sun was up, you were about to play cricket and to almost bring the idea of fun back into the game. And it certainly, it seemed to be contagious. Well, I think a lot of the time in this game as well, we look at all the peripheral pressures and, and uh, angst that come with playing this game and we forget about the very core element for why we started playing in the first place, that it was fun and when we were... When we were kids, it used to it didn't matter how many times you missed out, you kept wanting to go out there and put the pads on and, and have another turn at bat. And sometimes when the pressure's on in this game, um, the the reverse, uh, I guess, um, emotions come into play. So it's a matter of trying to just free yourself up, go out there, try and be a part of something special. You get one crack at it as a player in, in this game, and you want to look back, and it's not your stats that you worry about, it's not your runs or your wickets or anything like that. It's, it's the time that you had playing in it. An environment with a group of men that you try to, um, you know, well, that you look back on and say that was really special. 
and in 15, 20 years' time, you're sitting back on the couch. If you can do that and know that those that period of your life was was enjoyable and and, uh, and you achieved some pretty cool things along the way with a group of people, um, then it's all worthwhile. And, and I think you know that's what that's the way I see the England cricket team playing at the moment under the captaincy of Owen Morgan. You and Morgan, do you talk more about cricket or horse racing when you're together? Horse racing, golf, Guinness, <laughs> a little bit of cricket every now and then, but not. We don't talk a lot because we both we sing from the same sheet, really. You know, we we play the game exactly the same way, um, and we I think our leadership skills are, are similar in terms of what we're trying to achieve by freeing guys up and giving them confidence to go out there and play a freestyle of cricket. Um, but you know, our, our friendship extends well beyond the, the cricket boundaries, and and to me, that's that's something I'm I'm really proud of is that you know at the end of your cricket career, it's not people don't remember you for the player you are, but for the person that that you are and the relationships that you got in place. And I know that anywhere, any time I go to Ireland or uh, or London, I know that I've got a bet at Morgs' place and vice versa. And you must have a bit, times. presumably there's a bit of Irish in there, is there, somewhere? Somewhere with that, there. With that, Have you ever looked back to your history and is it Scottish or Irish? I think there's a bit of Scottish in there, but I think I've got more of an Irish liver. <laughs> <laughs> He's a jolly chap, isn't he, Brendan McCullum? I mean, he just he just sort of breathes joie de vivre, I think. And it's a shame he's not playing. Really. Yeah. I mean, one of the things he said to me, actually, is I said, I said, do you find when you ran down the wicket to bowlers, did you deliberately do it to try and make them bowl short? Because if you watch Josh Butler walk up the pitch, sort of shimmy up the pitch to a fast bowler, almost invariably they drop it short and then he works it away for runs on the leg side. So I said, you know, was that your strategy? And Brendan said, I don't know. He said, I, I didn't deliberately go down the wicket, I just suddenly found myself doing it. He said, quite often it was a completely instinctive thing. I didn't plan to do it and suddenly as the bowler's halfway through his run I find myself halfway down the wicket. Here's a question then. Just, just talking about you know, the way that the McCullum influence, the way England have, have changed their game. Do they have to now adapt in this World Cup? That you, you can't because you know they played all these bilateral series and they went, just went for it. They went for it, smashing, smashing, smashing. Do you think actually they need to, to just be a bit canny? They're actually going to have to change again in this World Cup, adapt, not just go after it because the pitches are perhaps not going to be belters. They're going to have to play a, mm. a, a canny game. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think you know this, the trouble is every there's no secrets now, are there? Everybody knows how everybody plays. And you sort of almost know exactly where to say. I'll tell you what I think the Australians did very well uh, against the West Indies was a couple of little field settings. And Shane Warne said at the Spirit of Cricket Lecture uh, panel after the Mike Brilliant given his Spirit of Cricket Lecture last week, he said, I think field settings and brave captaincy is going to be a, a key mm. thing in this World Cup. And what Aaron Finch did was he kept mid on in with Carlos Brathwaite and then Stark went with the slower ball, mid on being a, an area where Carlos Brathwaite can hit the ball really well but he was done by the slower ball and Finch took the catch at mid on and then almost even better he then bounced Jason Holder who was playing really well with fine leg up so Holder would have been expecting Stark to go full with men back on the boundary straight but he kept fine leg up and he bounced him and he gloved it and he was caught short fine leg so I think that you know teams like England who have bowlers who are quite adaptable and, and, and clever that maybe field settings and Morgan's a very smart guy. I think maybe we'll see yeah. some some clever field settings which are perhaps unexpected. Trying to tempt batsmen, maybe keep slips in 
a bit longer or put slips in when a new batsman comes in, even though it's in the middle overs yeah. when the ball isn't doing a lot. Yeah, I was just thinking about England's you know, approach, which is one of sort of you know go for it, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think England are so reliant on their for their success on what happens at one and two. So mm. if you if you can get if you can get both openers out inside the power play, then that yeah, takes you a, a long way to just t- you know, pulling England back and, and causing them some problems. So mm. I suppose that's the, that's the challenge. Roy and, and Bairstow at the, at the top of the order, England need them to, to, yeah. well, to, A, both break free if they possibly can, but certainly one of them, and that, that's not happened. No, and, so and I suppose that, that they're also that, that one little frail area is the Moen Ali position at seven because he's not in any form. And so if they do lose early wickets, you, you, you can't rely on Moen to get them out of trouble. Obviously, you've got Butler, you've got Stokes, you've got Root, etc., Morgan. But Moen at number seven, that number seven position, you know, and you've got India, you've got Hardik Pandya. We've just seen Nathan Coulton, our belt 92 for Australia, uh, number to eight. get them out of that yeah. situation. Yeah. So, you know, those positions, and with the bowlers, the quick bowlers bowling well... Six, seven, and eight, and luckily England have got Butler at six, who is the most feared batsman in the world. I'd say, along probably with Andre Russell. So they like have Coney? got that. Well, uh, sorry, I meant lower in the middle order. order yeah, sorry, right, lower yeah, order batsman yeah. more. Um, and even Coley. I mean, Butler scores quicker than Coley, yeah. and he's just. So I'm not saying Butler's better, but there's 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 a fear about Butler that he can destroy you, whereas Coley kind of dissects you. I'd say Butler is intimidating, yeah. but you know England. He got a hundred the other day, and England didn't win. So it's got to be a team effort. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it, it's been fascinating so far, and long may it continue. England have got a, a big game against Bangladesh. Uh, they they have lost them before, actually, in England in, in one day cricket. They lost on this ground, on this, this Bristol ground. Uh, I remember it well in a low scoring game, but um, they they can't have too many more slip-ups and you, you feel they can't really afford a slip-up against Bangladesh in particular that is one of the sides that they would have they would expect to beat on in their intended progress through to a semi-final so we've got that game coming up and straight after that Sunday I'm at Australia India at the Oval so after those two big games we'll report back to you on Sunday night hope you enjoyed it goodbye for now thanks for listening Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.